Hello and welcome back, friends. Welcome back to British Carbonara, the only podcast on the interwebs that knows who you are and knows where you live. Andrew. Wow, that's creepy. <laughs> I did not plan for uh, that. But yeah, we actually have all your information and we are going to bribe you in the next uh, days. If you find an email, a strange email <laughs> on your computer, <laughs> that's us <laughs> asking for views via mail. That could be a quite interesting marketing strategy. Just threaten people <laughs> randomly. <Yeah. laughs> or the most impractical way to actually manage a podcast. <laughs> How are you doing? Quite fine. It seems that the things are going to be not exactly normal, but still something better than the last two months. Yeah, I heard that uh, things are slightly... Uh, well, life is starting again. Uh, I, as I've heard a bit too much in cities like Milan, there are way too many people outside, apparently. Definitely. Not only in Milan, almost everywhere. I just went, I went out for a, a quick run a couple of days ago and the park was just... I've never seen this fall. <laughs> I get that a lot of people just cannot wait to go outside finally, but Jesus yeah, Christ. That's, that's not ideal. <laughs> Not in this situation. But yeah, aside from uh, sad or bittersweet topics, uh, let's talk about something that's also sad, because I want to reheat a carbonara, if that's okay with you. Okay. Is this going to be a, a major trait of our podcast, just start uh, with this <laughs> thing, <laughs> with depressing things? Yeah, because uh, last week we talked about Scrubs uh, and we talked about uh, how great it is and uh, the podcast done by Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Well, the tragic news of uh, Sam Lloyd's death was um, announced uh, later uh, after we <laughs> recorded that uh, podcast and that was really, really sad. Sam Lloyd is uh, Ted Buckland in the series and will be missed for sure. He was uh, one of the greatest uh, of the secondary characters to me. Yeah, he, he was uh, such a fun, fun character. And the actor was uh, really, really interesting because he also did the music. Uh, he did uh, his, uh, his a cappella group in Scrubs is actually a real group. Yeah, he will be missed for sure. Remember the name of the group? Uh, the Blanks, I, be I believe they're called. I remember it's exactly the same of the of the show, but I, I don't really. It could be the blanks, yes. Yeah, in uh, in the words of uh, uh, Bob Kelso when he was uh, leaving the hospital, uh, I believe I believe in season seven. Thank you for everything, Ted. Sincerely, you will be missed. It's also sad considering that the with the new podcast going on. Uh, yeah, he'll never be. He'll never be a guest. Because I would have loved to hear his point of view on the character and on the show in general. Because as much as a loser slash frustrated character Ted was, I think he was a very, very fun character to play as an actor. Well, certainly, certainly it was the most different than all the others. All the other characters, you can kind of group them together in small categories yeah. but Ted was just unique maybe him and the janitor were the oh, yes. most unique 
now that I think about it, it's probably why his, his character and also the, the janitor character were the ones that uh, had less episodes dedicated to them or they were less involved in uh, major stories. Yeah, they were a secondary character to begin with. The janitor slightly less so. Ted was more of a background, but... Uh, as many background characters in Scrubs, uh, his presence was still very uh, much felt in the show. Like, even the cameos in the show still remained uh, relevant and uh, memorable. Uh, to quote one that uh, is still in my mind, Hooch, and Hooch is crazy, is <laughs> one of the best things. And he was a character that had like three lines. Played by the the actor that does um, uh, Mr. Mosby in uh, Zack and Cody, Zach and Cody yes. at the, yeah, from Disney. Uh, yeah, we are rambling on about stuff that's not <laughs> the point, though. So yeah, I felt just that uh, I had to mention this sad news. Okay, then if you don't want to be that sad about the, this uh, really tragic news. Yeah, cue the other sad news you're going to say now. <laughs> no, I don't have sad news this time. <laughs> and no, it's weird, but I don't have sad news. I watched the movie a couple of days ago that I didn't expect to be so entertaining because I heard about it in uh, the Super Rap Patch Wolf podcast, Let's Fight a Boss. Okay, yeah. And uh, the movie is called The Lazy Susan. It mm. talks about this uh, woman in her, I guess, mid or late 40s, uh, which uh, doesn't have any project in her life she's just basically uh, the laziest person you can imagine she still uh, lives uh, off the the money her mother gave to her to pay rent to go anywhere she talks with uh, everyone of these fake jobs fake jobs that uh, she obviously doesn't have uh it it's a weird character because in some ways it's uh, very relatable and the fact that they are so relatable is, is also kind of depressing in a way <laughs> but still the movie is more more of a, a comedy than a, a drama so there are lots of uh, funny moments and uh, basically the story is about uh, her for the majority of the movie it just describes uh, her lifestyle and how much of a screw up she is and how i want to say tough but i don't think tough is the the right word tough relations relations she has with uh, uh, her brother or uh, her friends mm. i don't think tough is the right way to describe it because she doesn't get along well with most of people but uh, it's also majorly her fault so i don't know if you get what i'm saying yeah yeah uh, it's uh, almost uh, kind of uh, depressing that i think uh, many uh, of these traits uh, apply in some way to <laughs> uh, some of my situations that's what i meant in a way it's kind of depressing that it's relatable but uh, in in the end it works up fine because uh, she uh, after several misadventures she finds a, a stimulus to get a job and do something with her, her life. So it's kind of a happy ending, but uh, for this kind of a movie, it's not the magic miracle of her, her taking her shit together or I don't know. 
Okay, so it takes time and yeah, sure. It's just the that's just the first step. About the of course. So it's realistic in that sense. Yes, in a way it is. It's not uh, the masterpiece of uh, this generation of movies of that kind, but it was still uh, an quite an uh, enjoyable movie. And I really don't get the very low re- ratings it's getting by a lot of reviewers. I have uh, never actually even heard of it. Is it like a new movie or was it like from a couple of years ago or something? No, no, it's it's very new. It's from uh, 2020. Why did I... I searched for it and nothing came. Why <laughs> is that? Uh, because Lazy Susan is also a, a kind of kitchen supply. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's why I, I that's... suddenly had IKEA in my <laughs> Google search <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> thing. Wow. It's the thing that you put in the center of the table and rotates the things you... Why in God's name it's called like that? Uh, What's I the point know. of... Call- oh. <laughs> Names. Why? So over, Overall, it's an, a nice movie, but the thing that really uh, sold me in, uh, in watching it is that the, the protagonist, Susan, he's played by the guy who played uh, Jack in Will and Grace. I don't know if you remember. Okay, I haven't watched much of Will and Grace to actually remember it. Wait, wait, it's is he played? It's played by a, a male guy. Yes. <laughs> what? I'm sure if you remember anything from Will and Grace, the first thing you just remember oh, oh, is, is oh, Jack. Yeah. Is it? Is he the extremely homosexual exactly. guy? Him, which yes. sounds very homophobic, but I did, I didn't mean <laughs> it that way. Wow, I'm exactly currently. Him. On the Wikipedia page, this film has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. What the hell is this movie? <laughs> How is it so low? It's I I absolutely don't don't know. It it's not a masterpiece, of course, but I I think it doesn't deserve the, this low of uh, of rating. And so, first of all, I was already hooked in the thing because of uh, of him because I really like the really expressive way he has of uh, uh, do his uh, his job and also because I really didn't uh, see him in uh, anything else now that I think about it well yeah it's not like they Will and Grace's main cast became famous for in general yes you're right anything more so well thank you Leo for uh, recommending a, a movie that's uh, 11% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> Trust me, give it a try because it's really worth it. Wow, that's a low score. I mean, we had... Uh, I saw how bad scores can be in Rotten Tomatoes unjustifiably, like for uh, the last season of Doctor Who. But man, still, it's surprising. Also because the... Um, I don't remember the name of the actor. Sean something it was, I believe. Sean Hayes, yes. His performance is really convincing. Like... Uh, my significant other said that too because she loves these kind of things. He is extremely believable as a woman. I don't know if they did it uh, specifically because the director wanted uh, a more masculine face for the character. I don't really know the the motive behind it, but it really works. Surely you can see that the, behind the colorful dress and the long hair, you can see that there's a man under it, but... 
the way he plays the character, it's very, very convincing and very feminine somehow, without being like uh, that way, that stereotypical as uh, his role in Will and Grace. Well, yeah. So I wanted to um, talk about something uh, I actually talked about uh, quite uh, a lot <laughs> recently, and uh, I don't want to. Um, become redundant with it but this bugged me a lot <laughs> these last few days um i have uh, been catching up with uh, a webtoon because yeah i'm still there in that topic bear with me here <laughs> with tower of god i'm i started i decided to actually read tower of god the the webtoon simply because uh, it uh, was uh, revealed to me uh, from various sources that uh, the anime, as much as good as it uh, looks and feels and whatever, really cut down many moments from the actual uh, series. And that bugged me very, very much because that's one of the things I hate the most in anime when they cut important content. <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know why they did it. As I was reading like the first chapters that, of course, are the ones adapted uh, in episodes right now, I was reading conversations that weren't even there in the anime. I was watching scenes that weren't there. And I was like, why wasn't this added? It was, this was important. This is part of the lore of the show. That was really sad to me. It means that uh, this show... As good uh, reviews it's, as it's getting, it's not adapting the full material. And ah, uh, also, I don't know if uh, you know, but uh, Tower of God is a really long series. It's divided in uh, like three big seasons, like the webtoon. It's divided in seasons, and okay. the first one covers uh, like seventy-eight chapters. The second one goes until like chapter 300 or something. So it's it's a big, big uh, story. Well, the anime is going to adapt 13 episodes. And the 13 episodes is basically nothing. You won't even reach to the main point of, the, of season one, which comes at the end. And I worry that uh, this way it won't even be a good adaptation of uh, the actual content because there won't be enough there you don't even know what the show is going to talk about by the end of episode 13 it's it's really sad they're doing it this way i guess they're trying to summarize the the most thing uh, they possibly can to arrive at a certain point that could engage the viewers that's what I was thinking, but uh, even if they summarize it, I don't believe they're gonna get to the end of season one from uh, in episode 13, because there's so much stuff uh, that happens. <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, it was not uh, what I expected, and it's actually getting really, really good right now. Uh, I recently uh, started uh, season two, just to do a slight spoiler, the story has a big, big time skip happening. So you see characters very, very differently from what they were. The story evolves in such a way that seeing the anime only now looks like a, not a totally different show, but 
just an embryonic version of what it is. And yeah, I don't know if you had uh, some experiences with that, like some... You've read not that much manga, but I know you read the Vinland Saga and I know you were watching the anime, maybe? Uh, Yes, but I haven't finished it, so I don't know how accurate it was. I knew that uh, they rearranged some stuff, like the beginning, it's uh, just a a flashback that comes in. Not very much later, but not uh, exactly at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, but... uh... As much as that uh, could have bugged some people, I feel that uh, it still wasn't as bad. Because it still was part of the story, it was eventually going to be explained, all that stuff in the flashback. And putting it at the beginning, putting it at the uh, a little bit later, wouldn't have hurt uh, that much, I think. This, this removing of scenes is a whole other issue. Now that I think about it, this is also the first uh, anime adaptation they do from Webtoon, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, is it also produced by Webtoon or it's a, a collaboration between Webtoon uh, and Crunchyroll, and I don't remember the name of the studio that is animating it. I'm I'm just trying to figure out a a motivation for for this. I'm thinking that considering it's just the the first adaptation they do from. Uh, from webtoon i guess they weren't convinced to give him give it a, a 24 episode or more yeah maybe because it was an experiment a very first experiment so they decided okay let's go let's proceed slowly let's not uh, give ourselves too much that's the only thing i can guess but still it's a it seems like a waste from from the way you describe it it's one of those instances when where uh, People that uh, only watch the show are going to think, man, this is great. But people that actually read or are reading the webtoon think, okay, it's good, but still, why isn't that there? (laughs) It's the same reason that uh, things like the very first uh, series of Fullmetal Alchemist actually aren't that mentioned right now, because... uh, they changed the ending. They changed many things at some point in the in the in the anime. People were actually enjoying it, but then Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is the real adaptation of everything, people were like, "Oh, that's why people that read the manga were complaining because the actual story is much better." That's the same thing. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's just hope that maybe if they are going to renew with the show for a second season they try to make more space for the rest of the of the storyline yeah so speaking of uh, adaptations from uh, manga at this point just generally okay so i served you a very very good segue there <laughs> yes uh we're going to talk a lot about uh, anime and manga at this point i guess because considering all this free time that I I'm, uh, I had in, the, in this period, I decided to do the unthinkable, or at least that I considered unthinkable before. Oh God, am I going to be happy about it? I think you're going to be quite happy about it because I decided to finally watch Jojo. Oh, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about here. That's what I'm talking. I'm so happy for that. I was planning yes. on 
having a, a separated episode for this, but uh, even I wasn't expecting such a uh, uh, excited uh, <laughs> reaction from myself. But still, I'm happy to talk about this with you. <laughs> <laughs> So I wasn't going to plan at first to watch everything that was available right now and then talk about it. But uh, considering the the quantity of of stuff and everything, I decided to cut the thing in uh, in half. Basically, I watched to to completion until uh, Stardust Crusader and I just started uh, Diamond is Unbreakable. Yes, which is the best. I, I always feel like I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> for what I, I could see for uh, until now, I guess it's probably going to be my, my favorite one so far, the fourth part. Okay, f- first of all, let me just say that despite the, the opinion that, that a lot of outside people like I was... Uh, uh, for a lot of time have uh, of Jojo fans and just uh, lousy weebs that couldn't talk yeah. about anything else. Despite that, I have to say, I just have to give props to every other Jojo fan out in the world because I really didn't get spoiled anything. Wow, really? Really, because I first I didn't expect the, like the, the stand thing to be uh, so late in the story. Yeah, I, that was my initial um, impression too when I was reading it uh, the first time. I, I thought, where are the stands? <laughs> yeah, considering it's the most famous thing about the both the, the manga and the in the anime. That and the Obrando. Yes, and uh, I also watched uh, uh, the um, the little series that uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf uh, did. Should you okay. watch JoJo's divided for each part? Mm-hmm. Basically, I decided to just watch the thing going blind and not knowing anything. And as soon as uh, I finished one part, uh, watch the the video to to see if I agree with uh, with him in, uh, or not. In general, just to have a, an overall general opinion about the thing that I watched. So, in general, for the majority of the time, like uh, basically until the major fight between uh, Jotaro and Dio at the end of the Stardust Crusader, I wasn't getting it, like, at all. <laughs> you mean you weren't uh, enjoying it? <laughs> Not particularly. Especially the oh. second part, but in general... Really? That's one of my favorites! <laughs> we are going to disagree so bad about this, but as soon as You don't as like the... Joseph? Come on, Joseph no. is the best. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ, I, I despise him so much. he's uh, he's for me he incarnates jojo as a whole because with him all the strategy all the absurdity of the tactics of jojo were basically born and everything that comes forward is basically a a transformation an alteration of what joseph started that's why i I love him so much i guess i get that uh Joseph is the first time Araki really understood where he wanted to, uh, in what, in which direction you, he wanted to push the Before his story. that, uh, it was basically a Kenshiro clone, a Fist of the North Star clone with a barrage of punches, and that's it. Exactly. In in general, part one is just nothing special, mainly because Jonathan is 
the least interesting protagonist I know. He's really plain, he's very reactive, uh, he is not... Um... It's not relatable, he doesn't seem to really know where, why he's doing what he's doing for most of the time, and I guess it's a bit too much of a simpleton, because I get the 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 thing he wanted to try to emulate, like the silly protagonist who who's not the very intelligent, but has a, a kind heart and... He is the ultimate gentleman. That's who he is, basically, as a character. Basically, yes, but I don't think it really works in uh, in his particular case. This is a sentiment that, uh, for Phantom Blood, many people have when they watch it, when they read it for the first time. I personally have found right now many, many things I love about Phantom Blood that I didn't at the beginning, but we're going to talk about that later. And also the thing with uh, Amon really feels unoriginal and not that interesting, or at least to me. Well, uh, it's a strange power that uh, has a bunch of inconsistent rules uh, to it. It's almost the same thing you, you've seen over and over. It's basically like chi. Yes, but you have to also think that all those things uh, happened afterwards. Like, Hamon was... Uh, it's not like it was the first one, but uh, he, it's certainly something that was thought of earlier than many of, of the other stuff. But And also, and this is a thing that uh, both in part one and part two that I didn't like, it's the character design is it's just silly i mean the thing with these characters basically men as high and mighty as a two story building just yeah wearing a sleeveless <laughs> uh, uh, but that's the point though that's that's the bizarreness of it he loves to create strange strange designs seeing this kind of giant wearing just this uh, really classy Sleeveless jumpers and <laughs> yeah, the smallest yeah, yeah. papillon ever designed by mankind is just outright silly. <laughs> I, I disagree with that because I love the designs, uh, especially if one of my favorites is uh, William Antonio Zeppeli's design, which is uh, this white, gray, and black uh, like chessboard thing with the hat that it's. Uh, it's really strange, and I really love it. Uh, but I can see that the bizarreness is going to like turn a few heads at the beginning, that's for sure. In general, it's quite obvious that uh, Haraki was still figuring out what uh, his own style was going to be, so it's kind of forgivable. In... Yeah. But the real reason that uh, I guess I could endorse the to watch the, the series <laughs> to anyone else is just that uh, the character of Dio Brando is just amazing. He's just a, a wonderfully well-written villain yeah. and just so charming, intelligent and magnetic. He's iconic. Yeah. Definitely really iconic. Also, just the, the way uh, the, um, the voice actor portrayed him, only, only that is just amazing. He's a great character. And, and, and an absolute Chad. Let's just say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. I'd argue that uh, he is a much better character in part one than he is in part three. At least for me. 
because in part one he feels more like a character he has um more to do he you you see him develop from this malicious kid to this uh, terrible human being and then he to quote him he uh refuses his humanity and becomes a god simply the dichotomy between good and evil that you can see when you see him as opposed to Jonathan is great to me in part 3 he is great but he feels more like Bowser from Super Mario an end up villain that you have to fight i guess because there in part 3 he doesn't have uh, any kind of uh, development he's just there he's only waiting to be fully healed and fight Jotaro. This makes you understand that my opinion of part 3 isn't the best. I really do not like part 3 that much. Um, I must say I prefer both part 1 and part 2 to part 3 <laughs> right now. One thing that I absolutely loved in part 1 is Speedwagon. Speedwagon is the best. <laughs> <laughs> He has no power, he has almost no relevance, he's just there. He's just there to comment. He's uh, he's the piccolo of, um, or the junior, if you watch the Italian version of Dragon Ball, of uh, the Jojo world. <laughs> I just love that he's, yeah. he's just there. <laughs> There's nothing else to, to say. Also the fact that in, uh, in part two... Is also just there because he has tons of money. There's no other reason to have him there. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the musical references as much as they weren't that big still in the first parts? No, I guess there was just a couple uh, here and there, like uh, Speedwagon, Zeppelin, or Dio Brando, of course. There was, uh, well, the three pillar men, which I don't, you didn't talk about, uh, Wham, Cars, and uh, ACDC. And ACDC. I liked the, the, the characters of the pillar men because they felt very threatening and, uh, I guess they really transmit this very fearful feeling of impotence for, because yeah. they are just gods. That thing was very interesting and very well portrayed to me, but in general, Part 2, to me, is just useless because it really doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, the feeling that uh, a few people have, that's, uh, that's for sure. I personally think it's one of the best, but uh, yeah, it's uh, almost feel like a parenthesis between uh, the, the first and the third part. Basically, yes, it just serves as an explanation of the character of... Uh, yeah, Joseph. You have to stop me though, because I don't know how much you want to talk about Jojo still, and if I continue, it's gonna be like this for a lot. <laughs> Let's just stop at the third part because it was the, it's the okay. one that I, I completed, and okay. not talk about the uh, uh, Diamond okay. is unbreakable still. Uh, yeah. So about part two, also it's weird that uh, also in this case, at least in my opinion, the best written character is uh, not the protagonist also in this case because i really believe that uh, caesar has a yeah um much more interesting story than joseph yeah i don't know if you agree uh i i still think that joseph is uh, one of the best characters and uh, so no i don't agree but uh, still <laughs> caesar is uh, is a really great character and uh, probably 
well, no, not my favorite Zeppeli, but one of my favorites. I'm not gonna say much <laughs> more than that. Okay. <laughs> in general, I get, I mean, I guess in uh, watching this part, I started to understand that the real thing that interests a lot of people in uh, Araki's works are um, other than all the craziness that's coming uh, in the in the future parts. Uh, I, I know it's uh, going to be <laughs> insane, I guess. But the real interest is his uh, development because it's not an opinion at this point. It's just the fact that part one was very basic and uh, had uh, several flaws. But in part two, which I still consider not that special, it's just obvious that uh, he really tried to overcome uh, himself and try to do something uh, that was really truly his and more original. The Hamon thing, it's really not convincing even in this time, uh, maybe even less than the, the first part, because it, in a way it's almost too convenient that uh, the way they, they play out with, uh, with Hamon, with that they can uh, now imbue Hamon in things in everything i mean ah the half of the of the battles can be summarized with the random uh, pillarmen they are fighting random weapon is useless against my might you cannot do anything ah that's what i wanted you to think but uh, this uh, random <laughs> but this uh, random weapon i actually uh, infused my piece with yeah, uh, Hamon yeah, over it, and a... now it's little. I mean, it's a bit too easy to end every kind of a battle that way. I don't know if you agree. The idea of uh, I have this strategy, no, I have this counter strategy, no, my counter counter strategy is gonna beat you, no, my counter, and this goes on until the end. This is something that you will see in Jo in JoJo even later, but. Um, it will probably feel less redundant simply because of how strange and uh, twisted all the rules of an actual fight will get. One of the greatest things I feel of Jojo is uh, seeing how Araki can stretch the idea of what a fight is. Uh, because in the first part, uh, you they're pretty literal fights. In the second part, they are too. In the third... You can uh, see them, but you can also see some stuff that's not uh, the usual. And the more you go on, the more you see not what normal people would say a fight and a battle is. And that's that's just great. There's a lot of mental work. And for this reason, I really enjoyed the part three much more than part two. Also because mm. in, the, um, in the part two video that uh, Super Ripatch Wolf made... He described uh, Joseph as this really uh, surprisingly intelligent character that despite his uh, looks... Yeah, he's a master strategist. Yes, I get that that was the, the idea Araki wanted to, to show, but at least to me in, uh, in the part two didn't really work out 100% because he... I mean, it's certainly an intelligent guy, that's no way around it, but... The way he tried to outplay he are just too absurd and feel yeah. really random and not really strategical. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, as uh, as I said, Joseph is basically the standard 
to which everything will evolve from. So, of course, you're going to get some things that you think, yeah, that's never going to happen, actually. And I'm not saying that uh, you won't see that again, because you will certainly see in the future also stuff like that, like, that's never going to happen. How did that happen? But some things you just have to accept, but certainly it's going to be less uh, apparent in later parts. Sure, sure. What do you think of part three? Uh, part three, for the majority of the time, I still wasn't getting it. Why people are just so amazed with the, with this thing? Because I really enjoy the character design, especially Chotaro's in the, this time. I really get why is uh, probably one of the most referenced. Uh, I like the character design. I just find him extremely boring. <laughs> He's a badass, and you can describe him just as a badass, and that's it. You don't have to say anything else about him, and that's just frustrating to me. He's not very... Uh, I mean, it's well-written, but it's not very original in uh, the way he's, uh, he's portrayed in general. Uh, for the three first parts, it's still my favorite Jojo at this point, because at least he has... Uh, really? Yes, because to me, he's, he has... Uh, real personality and it's not not just a, a brat or a simpleton like the other two were uh, he's boring to me even his stand is the most boring stand in jojo star platinum i really don't like like it at all just super strength uh, it's a bit basic because he's just strong and fast but stands in general are basic as hell in part three they're they're not that uh one thing that uh, really didn't uh, convince me at the uh, of part three is just that uh, stands, uh, even if they are original, certainly for the majority of the time, in especially in uh, in part three, mm, they just feel like uh, superpowers with extra extra steps. I don't know if you get what I mean. Well, they are. They th- the idea is that uh, these powers are extremely specific and not necessarily um, used for battle, simply. One of the most uh, interesting, for example, in part 3 is uh, the Hanged Man stand, which is a stand that appears only in mirrors, and you can use it only if you have a mirror (laughs) uh, or a reflecting surface in general. And that's a really creative idea for for a, for a power, and that's when I like the stands when they are very specific, very unusual. If it's just Firebird as Abdul stands is, it's gonna bore me to death. I I completely agree. And the, the majority in the, in the first part are feel just like uh, superpowers described in a, a weird way. There is one exception to this rule, and that's Silver Chariot. Polnareff stand, which I love just because it's a stand with a foil sword and I really like the idea. And in general, because Polnareff is my favorite character from part 3, I love him. And part 3 for me is Polnareff's bizarre adventure because most (laughs) of the focus is on him, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that also was kind of weird because uh, he's not the... Yeah. He's not related in, in the, with the story in any way. He's just there. Well, he's looking for uh, for the guy who killed his sister, but yeah, okay, but uh, it's not something related exclusively with the with Dio and uh, 
the Joestar yeah. family in any way. He's just there. I mean, he has something oh. to do. He needs to go in the same direction for some mm-hmm. reason, so why not go together? Yeah, oh, same for Kakyoin. And he's not a character I really like that much. Kakyoin is very boring. And in general, the main problem for me for part three is that the main cast, aside from Polnareff and Iggy, which I love and I will love to death forever, Iggy the dog is amazing. We are going to disagree so much about it. Oh, really? Okay. Because I don't uh, really get why animals should have stands. I really don't like the. Part. Everything can have a stand in JoJo. I get it, but uh, it's, uh, it's still, I. Uh... The, the, his fight, his fight with the with the pet shop, the Falcon pet shop, is one of the best in the series for me. That was entertaining. I I, I admit it, but he's amazing. The idea of animals with stand to me is just absurd. And the really thing that I cannot tolerate about Iggy is that you know how much of a dog person I am, but that dog is the worst thing that my eyes could ever watch. <laughs> From a design point of view? Yes, he's just hideous. I mean, you know He the- gets a little better he gets a little better with the in the fight because Araki humanizes his face a little. No, to to, to me that's even worse because you know the the way like in medieval paintings people uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who didn't know what <laughs> that animal looked like try to yeah, draw yeah, it anyway. Uh... That's what I felt. <laughs> I totally see your point. I just I just like the character so much just because of uh uh, of the fight he has at the end and because of the sad sad ending he has even um in in this part probably the the thing that uh, people really enjoy araki for his own uh, development in this particular part is really obvious because he is is just so much uh, a different thing than part 1 and part 2 yeah I have to admit, in general, because the for the most of the time the show really feels like a, a monster of the week kind of show because the the story really develops uh, very slowly. The episodes are just uh, uh, folded around the the next enemy that they are going to fight. Mm-hmm. There's uh, almost no personal. Uh, growth of any character sure they uh, feel yeah uh, this very deep friendship by the end but uh, they don't learn anything from of themselves they don't know anything about their own stance they just are there they are not explained in a w- in any way which uh, they are getting explained later i get that but uh, just considering part three they just happened and uh, didn't really work to me at least but i guess i guess it's it was still figuring out himself, Araki, I mean, the way to, to portray it. So, again, it's understandable. But the, the moment that really convinced me was during the fight between uh, Jotaro and, uh, and Dio. Because okay. of all the, the hype that was around the, the, this particular fight during all the, the season, the moment Jotaro stops his own art with uh, his, uh, his stand... I was just like, whoa, now that's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can see, even in a, even reading the manga, uh, you can see how much Araki cared for 
his story. He cares a lot for of what he's writing in general, but in the Jotaro versus Dio fight, you see a a dedication to his art style, a cure for details that's not uh, the same in other chapters. I mean, the Jotaro versus Dio fight is drawn and portrayed so beautifully that that is honestly just for the drawings one of my favorite things about part three uh that and uh, there are a few fights that i just love i don't know how you feel about it but i love the gambling fight against the darby the gambler which is probably one of the most iconic thing about stardust crusaders oh i really uh, i really enjoy that because i in general i like this uh non-battle battle <laughs> exactly that's the first example of a fight that's not actually a fight yes that the that kind of uh of episodes were really engaging yeah also the one with uh, his older brother was uh it was a bit stupid <sighs> like the baseball part was a bit stupid but the concept was very interesting that's uh that's for me it's overdoing it he doesn't he didn't need to have a brother that did video games come on but still <laughs> Still uh, really good. I, I love the idea that uh, one of the stands is basically Freddy Krueger, Death 13. That's, a, that's an amazing idea because a baby that has a stand is, is just amazing as, a, as an idea for me. And that's the beauty also. I think that also Ipatch Wolf talked about that uh, anybody can have a stand, basically. So it doesn't matter if you're strong. It doesn't matter if you are... Uh, old lady <laughs> everybody i guess that that's i mean uh that feels like a, a threat to to the characters in that world that anybody could could uh, have a stand but still animals with stand <laughs> are are just uh, too much of a stretch to me like the orangutan episode was just no come on no <sighs> it was just that episode with the barely lolly content was no <laughs> it's just that that i want to talk about that specific episode later and the almost shorter episode where paul nalef became a child are just no there there's no there's no point in that come on with alessi which is a, <laughs> a reference to jack nicholson with the axe and uh, his face yeah it's i like that fight come on you are going to not like what you see for later parts, though, because animal stands are gonna come back. It's not oh, a, shit. a part three thing. <laughs> they're not that many, but there are. Uh, so before I forget it, the the thing that really bugged me with the orangutan episode, besides the thing that animals with stands are, is just too too much to me, is that it felt kind of a bit of a plot hole that episode in particular but also in other uh, parts of the show that uh, stands are supposed to be invisible to non-stand users right mm -hmm. so in that episode basically the whole ship is a stand for the orangutan if i remember correctly yeah but the little girl is there and she doesn't question anything because she's not supposed to see <laughs> the ship. Because uh, stands have uh, many rules as much as they have exceptions to those rules. <laughs> and uh, that's just something uh, people will have to deal with when they read JoJo because, or they watch JoJo because stands 
can also, for example, shrink as they did in the fight against uh, the Stand Lovers, I believe it was. The one that uh, uh, had manipulated Jotaro. Uh... When they shrink, there's Kakyoin Stand and Polnareff oh, Stand yeah, that they shrink. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, that, that was weird. <laughs> that was weird, and that's the only time that happens. Never happens in the rest of the series. It's also not very clear if the, the stands are just uh, mindless spirits with these amazing powers. or Some are, some are, are not. Or if, if they are conscious or why like the Anubi one could survive after his own stand user for millennia. That's a really interesting concept though, Anubis, because instead of a stand that's um, a user that controls a stand, it's a stand that controls a user. In general, stands have many different types. They come in many different exceptions. Some are sentient, some can talk, some are just things, some are not even with an actual form, some are humanoid. As much as uh, inconsistency you can think this is, I think it adds to the variety. I think it adds to the craziness of them, to the multitude of things they can do, they can be. So, I just love stands. I wish we had them in real life. <laughs> <sighs> in general, I see the the development of uh, even in the early epi- in uh, the earliest part of uh, Diamond is Unbreakable. I watched less than ten episodes, so I'm not that uh, mm, in okay. in the thing. But even just in the these first few episodes, it's clear that uh, Araki really defined a lot of things that weren't defined uh, as well before and explores stuff they they are described uh, a way a lot better and also the the characters are very i really like the design that finally is not just this bulky man <laughs> exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> finally it's just normal people koichi is uh, an example he's one of my favorites actually yeah it's also nice that uh, the other characters get finally a uh, decent cater- characterization. characterization, yes. Not just a uh, uh, small backstory to yeah. justify their motives, uh, but real characterization. But we talked about this for way too long. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and um, we are certainly gonna have <laughs> some more stuff to talk about uh, later in future episodes. So let's call it here, I think. Yes, uh, we'll probably do another one as soon as I finish. Uh. <laughs> We're sorry for uh, having the entire episode be basically a JoJo fest, and that's the title of this, probably. We're going to have some other topics like, in, in future uh, stuff, as much as I want to talk about JoJo every day, every time, ever. But yeah, thanks for uh, listening. We hope you enjoyed uh, our our company and our opinions. And uh, if you are JoJo fans, let us know what you think about the series so far. Please don't spoil anything because I really enjoy in part four, especially. Josuke is just cool. <laughs> I mean, anyone with a pompadour is just cool. There's no way around Josuke it. Josuke is amazing. <laughs> <sighs> okay, let's stop. Please stop me. Stop. And let's stop remember, here, yes. <laughs> remember to tell uh, Leo how wrong he is about animals with stands. Remember to tell him that he's r- just wrong about this. Please do. I'll just ignore you. <laughs> <laughs>
Also, remember to follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on... Uh, wh why did I say Twitter? Do we have a Twitter now that I think about it? Instagram and Facebook, that's what we have. Follow us okay. there, please. Uh, we're so good at pro of promoting ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as always, please, please excuse, excuse my, my English. English.